All right, thank you for being back in your places uh, tonight. It was a wonderful, wonderful Sunday morning. Thank you for all you do, all your service. Uh, and so we appreciate that. That's why so many good things happen and people are being saved. And we have someone, at least one to two, sometimes more people baptized every week because you are working with people. And thank you for that. And I think that honors the Lord. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 tonight. And I want to share a few thoughts. We'll look at a few other verses as we go. But I want to share a couple thoughts about, about being distracted. Okay? Uh, people that get distracted get themselves into a lot of trouble. Um, we all see this <coughs> when we have children, right? Your little ones will walk, and they'll be talking, and they'll be looking the other way as they're walking forward. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And they end up tripping. Uh, they end up running into a wall or something like that. Or they like the one where they walk backwards and they talk. And if you're a good parent, right before they're running into something, you'll tell them to stop. If you're one of those bad parents, you, fell out, you pull out your cell phone, and hope that you capture that video you can uh, send to America's Funniest Videos. I do love those viral videos. I've seen several of them where uh, people are <coughs> walking the mall, uh, particularly ladies, <coughs> and they're on their phone and they're not paying attention, and they'll walk right in to a water fountain. Anybody seen those? I think those are funny. I would not tell them to stop. I'm like, eventually they're going to stop, right? Um, but that's distraction. But in a greater sense with technology... <coughs> Um, technology, <coughs> distractions can be a little more devastating. I read a story of a girl, she was 18, her name was uh, Taylor Sauer, and she was going home from college to spend some time at home, and she's texting uh, and driving 80 miles an hour, and she was texting on her phone, and she, her last text she said was this, I can't discuss this right now, driving and Facebooking is not safe, ha, ha, ha. Right after she texts that, she ran into the back of a semi, that was going uphill, going about 15 miles an hour, and she died. So distractions can not just be, you know, I tripped and got a boo-boo. They can be very, very, very devastating and destructive. And we're going to see that tonight in the text, which we're going to look at. Um, <coughs> I have mentioned on many occasions that uh, when you read the Bible, the chapter divisions and all of those things are not necessarily inspired. They're there to help us to find our place. And for, and for the most part, really, they're, they're really spot on when it comes to thoughts and so forth. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean when you get to one chapter that you don't need to reference back to the other chapter to get the continued thought or context of what they are trying to say. And that is very clearly pointed out here in Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12. <coughs> chapter <coughs> 12, the first word there is wherefore. Wherefore really means it is tied or connected to what has been said before. What I'm going to say is a result of what has just been said, and it ties it together. And we know that... Um, <coughs> um, when we know that we're going to know, we know that when we get to look at, at both of them. Chapter 11 is the Heroes Hall of Faith. It talks about all the different characters in the Bible. It talks about what faith is and what the heroes in the Bible did because of their faith. And also uh, some of the things that they suffered because of their faith. But all of it was because of their faith. And then we step into chapter 12 and it's tied Together, <clears throat> in chapter 12, he starts to admonish us that because of the great heroes of the faith that went before us, that we should keep our faith 
and that we should make sure that we run our race and make it to the finish line. And he gives us these people in the other chapters, in the other chapter, really, all throughout the Bible, who are great examples to us. We can follow their lives and see what they went through. Also, they're great motivators to us. We see what they did simply because they had faith in God. If we understand that, we know what we can do if we will have that same faith in God. And then we get to verse 2. He gives the ultimate example and motivation for us to continue our race in our faith. And of course, that would be the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, he says, in verse 2, I'm sorry, not chapter 2, in, in verse, chapter 12 and verse 2, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so we look back at the heroes of the Bible, and the fact of the matter is, we can look out uh, throughout history from the time of the Bible, from the time after the Bible was written, to great Christians uh, of years past who also did great things and suffered great things because they had great faith in their God. But the ultimate one here is Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the author of our faith. And he is the one who will be the finisher of our faith. He continued despite the pain and suffering that he had to go through on the cross. And then verse 3 continues the thought. He says, For consider him that endured. We look to him, because he is really what our faith is and who our faith is in. And then not only do we look to him, we have to think about and consider what he did. And there's a reason. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners, all that he went through, lest ye <coughs> be wearied and faint in your minds. In, in, your, uh, in your minds, Because we know that whatever gets into our minds creeps into our actions. And so sometimes we go through difficult times or sometimes we're tempted in areas and, and we, get to, we get to feeling uh, 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 lonely or that we're the only ones going through this. But if we consider him, Jesus Christ went through everything we would go through and he went to it, he went through it to a greater extent than we will we'll ever go through. And if we think about what he did, we will not get discouraged and we will not quit our race. But... <clears throat> The key to keeping verse 1 is verse 2, looking to Jesus, and verse 3, which is consider him. And in verse 1, it's telling us, run your race, okay? Don't get sidetracked. How do we do that? We have to look to Jesus, and we have to consider him. Now, as, as long as we are doing that, <coughs> we, will forget, we, will, we will focus and fulfill on God's will. And we'll continue our course, and we will make it to our spiritual finish line. But here's the problem. We have to be careful that we do not get distracted, as we talked about at the beginning of the message. What does it mean to be distracted? I looked up the definition. The word distracted means to, means to be drawn away from our focus, our attention, or our task, by some type of eternal stimulus, thought, or activity. It's anything that comes into our life which causes us to take our focus, take our, 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 our purpose off of what we are supposed to be fulfilling as a Christian. And so we get diverted. 
And so we, we, we stop running our race or we get off course. The Bible clearly instructs for us to not let that happen. I love Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25 to 27. He says, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let thy ways be established. Think about where you're going. You're supposed to be looking forward and you're supposed to be going forward. And think about the path of your feet. Are you going that way? And then let that way be established. Because here's the temptation in verse 27. <clears throat> Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. It says we ought to be laser beam focused as Christians on what God wants us to do. We ought to be looking ahead. We ought to be going straight ahead. And we ought to be established and committed going straight ahead. And let's not turn to the right or left or let anything keep us from doing that. Because what will happen is we'll stop running the race. We won't finish our race. People who do not finish the race, who do not cross their spiritual finish line, usually have been distracted by something that causes them to lose their focus and their attention on their God-given mission. Yes, we have the mission of fulfilling everything in the Bible. And we also have the mission of that specifically which God has given you to do within his purpose for this world. And the good thing is the Bible clues us into many distractions that would have bad effects, devastating effects on our Christianity. I want to mention a few of them tonight. Number one, <coughs> the, number one the first distraction I will look at is stuff. Stuff distracts us. Look at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that's going back to chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight. What is a weight? A weight is something that is heavy. It's something that slows you down and makes your journey hard and eventually stops you from running. Right? Have you ever noticed people that uh, run races or bike races or anything where, they, where they're trying to get speed, they wear the lightest material possible, sometimes to the point of being disturbingly light, right? Even the shoes are light. How many know what I'm talking about? You go in there and get a pair of walking shoes or something. I kind of like the new ones because they're super light and they're super, you know, they, they move real easy and they're light. Look, you can run a race in, in, in boots. That's probably going to slow you down. You can wear like an overcoat, right? And, uh, you know, that's going to slow you down. So we want to get rid of any weight that would slow us down. What kind of stuff are we talking about? The stuff that can be a weight in our life and slow us down comes in many different forms. I'll mention a couple. It could be a friendship. You know, as you're a Christian, sometimes you might be around people. <coughs> and when you're around those people, you find that your focus on God seems to be less than if you weren't around those people. Remember, as a <clears throat> brand new Christian going to church, I just went to church and I, I did everything. I went to every service. I served. I was in that middle ground, right? High school age, but I had dropped out of high school, so I wasn't in the teen group. And I was not in the college and career single group because I wasn't quite there. I was like middle ground. So I just... I just went to the uh, auditorium class with the pastor, and I didn't really know anybody or have many friends. And after being there about six months and getting involved, a few of the guys 
started to notice me, like, hey, this guy's here faithful to everything. And I remember <coughs> there was a group of guys that said, hey, what are you doing on Friday night? We're just going to hang out and go do some things and nothing serious. Do you want to come? And I appreciated the opportunity. I'm like, yeah, I didn't have any friends their age. I mean, I ditched all my old friends because they, were, they would have dragged me, drugged me down. And I went with them. And by the way, these were not bad guys. But I just remember being with them that night, and after spending time with them, I just, there was something in my spirit that's like, this wasn't very Christian. Now, it wasn't necessarily bad or sinful, don't get me wrong, but it was just like, there's just something here that, that I just don't feel it. You know, there was, some of the things we did weren't wrong, but it was a little bit goofy and a little bit overboard. I'm just like, I just don't want to be a part of that. And I'm not trying to be negative. Most of those guys didn't make it for the Lord. But I wanted to be very careful because I wanted to be around those that pushed me. We had a group of um, <coughs> Navy men at that time. The, the, Navy was, uh, the, the Navy over here was still open. These guys were on fire for God. Those were the guys I hung around with. Those were the guys that said, man, let's just go soul winning. Those are the guys that like, let's serve God. Let's go to the rest home. I started going to the rest home because of those guys. Those are the kinds of people. But if you have a friendship, maybe it's an activity, right? <coughs> Something you enjoy doing. And there's nothing wrong with having activities you enjoy doing. But what could be wrong is sometimes you let it get so pervasive in your life, it slows you down in spiritual areas. Still remember, I was a singles guy. You know, I had a guy come up. He was coming for several months, man. He was growing. And he came up after one Sunday and said, hey, I'm not going to see you for several months. I'm like, what, are you going out of town? He goes, nope. My soccer team starts playing next week. I'll be playing on Sundays, so I'm going to be gone for a few months. Now, he was gone for a lot longer than a few months. He was gone forever because he placed that activity ahead of priority of church on Sunday. Be very careful. What is it that you like? What about a hobby? Something you're like, you like to do. By the way, there's nothing wrong with hobbies, right? You, you need some, but, but they get so important in our life that we'll give up time doing the things we're supposed to be doing for the hobby. I had a guy, <coughs> I, there were several guys I connected with when I, when I was working a job at the beginning of the starting of the church before I gave that up, and uh, there were several guys I, I, I would talk to at work, and we kind of knew each other, we kind of connected, and I'd witness to them and so forth, and there was one guy, Mike, really nice guy, and I, he had <coughs> some things going on in his life, and uh, you know, I, I talked to him, and I made no no, you know, I didn't hide that I was a Christian. I witnessed to him several times and talked to him about some things. And um, the only bad thing he had in his life, he was a Raider fan. I don't mean that. I mean, he had season tickets when the Raiders were here. And so I remember, you know, I talked to him and so forth, and I quit working there. <coughs> in a couple of years after I quit working there, uh, somebody I knew who still worked there gave him my phone number. And he called me. He said, hey, Steve, I wanted to let you know I'm a, I got saved. I'm a Christian now. I'm like, great. He goes, I go to church every Sunday. Uh, I take my family. We all go now. And my family's doing much better. My marriage is much better. And then he said this, and I'm not being sarcastic because you know how I feel about the Raiders. He said, you know what, Steve? Uh, I gave up my Raider season tickets. I'm like, man, that is spiritual growth. Not that <coughs> it's wrong to like the Raiders. Here's what he said. He said, that was too important in my life. He goes, it wasn't just a football team I liked. It was just way over the top too important. And I knew I had to put that down. Now, <clears throat> may not be the Raiders, although that might be a good place to start. But is there something in your life that is so important to you that has nothing to do with spirituality that you actually place it ahead of spirituality? That's a weight. That's a weight. 
Could be a relationship you're developing. I will say this, singles. As you are looking to eventually finding a mate and getting married, here's a good way to tell you have the right person. Do they push you more towards spiritual or do they make you less spiritual? Even being in Bible college, I knew many good guys in Bible college, and we had a lot of opportunity to serve. I'm thinking of one guy. He took a bus route, and he built that thing, and that thing was one of the biggest routes in the church, and we're talking about a church that had 250 bus routes. And this guy was spot on, sharp. He started dating this girl. He was offered a position of, of, of division leader. That's a very high position for guys that were doing real well. Only 12 of them in the whole college. And the guy not only declined it, he quit his route because he needed to because of this girl he was dating. And I'm thinking, huh? I mean, you can't run a bus route and date a girl? I mean, to me, that's just a signal, wrong girl, wrong girl, okay? <clears throat> the girl, look, you singles, the person you ought to like, they ought to push you more towards spiritual things. Say, but they're really pretty. Okay, probably Jezebel was too. Okay, that's, pretty goes away. You've been married a few months, she's starting to look like your sister. And you said, my sister's beautiful, she's still your sister. But a girl that pushes you to the right direction, that's priceless. And so maybe it's a relationship. But stuff, <clears throat> by the way, you say, how do I know if something is, is, is distracting me? God will let you know. God's really good about that. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is just really getting too important. Number two, <clears throat> And you're going to say, oh, here we go. Sin distracts. He goes, be, look, put aside every weight. And the sin which doth so easily beset us. Now, I could go off and just talk about sin and its destruction in your life and all of that and all of that. But I want us to stay with the context here. Okay, we're talking about sin in the context of how it distracts you from God's purpose for your life, running your race. Yes, there is a very destructive element to sin. Yes, sin gets into your life, and sin can ruin your life. It can mess you up and leave you on the side of the road. But that's not the context. Think about this. Think about it from God's perspective. <clears throat> the worst thing about sin isn't destruction and devastation that it brings to your lives, although it does. But it's the distraction that keeps us from fulfilling God's will. See, to me, not doing the spiritual things we're supposed to do, not fulfilling God's will, is just, about, is just as bad as the destructive aspects of sin. We just want to look at the bad stuff. You'll become an alcoholic on the side of the road. You may not. You may do your own thing and have these little sins in your life, and you may make a lot of money. But if you're not fulfilling God's will, it's just as destructive. And you're, just, and you're just as ineffective for God in this world than if you were out at a bar every Friday. Come on. Sin's very destructive. We know that it has ruined relationships. It's ruined futures. It's ruined lives. It's ruined fami families. I wonder how much it's kept people from following God's will in their life. You young people that you haven't messed up, do me a favor, don't. You may be, you may be marring that will of God in your life because you're going to do some sin that's going to kick you out of that. 
Now, you can always come back and God will always use you. Don't get me wrong. But what if God had a greater purpose for your life and that purpose was defeated because you let some sin creep in? What about winning people to Christ? You get into sin, you quit coming to church, you quit coming soul winning. I wonder how many people would have been saved if you would have just stayed faithful. What about serving the Lord? Jobs that you could have done, you could have fulfilled, and people you could have encouraged, but you didn't because you let sin ruin your life. I believe that's probably the greatest devastation and destruction of sin. And so when we think of sin, let's just not think of it in terms of it's ruining my life and the wages of sin, although those are there also. But it keeps you from what God has for you. It keeps you from God's best. And I don't know about you, I want God's best. Number three, (coughs) the stretch sometimes distracts us. What do you mean? (coughs) Let us continue in verse one. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So we gotta be careful with the stuff. We gotta be careful with the sin. But we look at our race, our race is a long race. That's why he says you got to run it with patience. You say, how long's my race? Until the day you got saved, from the day you got saved until the day you die. That's how long God wants you to be faithful to him. That's how long God wants you to serve him. From the day you're saved until the day you die. And along that long stretch of highway, there are a lot of detours. Have you ever taken a long trip in a car? You get out of the city, and a lot of times it just looks the same. You ever, I hope you have it, but driven through the desert, you know, and you're heading towards that place where you shouldn't go, at least to gamble, Las Vegas. We were going up through Utah, and we're going, you get out there, I think there's a 100-mile stretch where there's nothing. I mean, it's, and and by the way, I'm not a desert person. I love, I love, I love mild weather, and I love greenery. Say you're colorblind. Well, whatever's green to me, okay? And, and I, you know, and you get on these long drives and you're seeing the same thing over and over and there's just kind of like a hum in your head, like, mm-hmm. how many know what I'm talking about? It's, now, I, I like our cars. Our cars all drive themselves, okay? I got to put my knee on there so every now and then it says, hey, put your hands on the wheel and I just hit it with my knee. And it goes straight. But you're on there, it's like, your mind is like, you got to have something to listen to because you get so distracted with things, You know, we have a long race to run. And sometimes the hard part is just plugging through when things get monotonous. You know, I've been going to church, you know, for seven years now. Well, good. If you have another 50 years in your life, you got 50 years left. I've been soul winning now. See, what happens is people come to church and they get excited about, excuse me, they get excited about God and they're faithful all the services and then all of a sudden they start missing. Because after all, I've been doing this for a long time. You really want me to meddle? You used to go soul winning. Man, I was excited. I mean, Tuesday nights, and if it wasn't on Tuesday, I'm here on Saturday. And then, you know, you don't need to go now. I put my time in already. You used to be excited about reading your Bible. I mean, you couldn't wait, and you read it, <coughs> and you ate it up, and now it's like, well, every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll prop it open. Why? The, the length of the journey's gotten to you. Now, sometimes, 
the distractions on this stretch of road <clears throat> are legitimate ones. Sometimes it's disappointment. Something happens in your life that you just don't understand and you're, you're disappointed with life. Now, by the way, these things are all natural and we all will experience them, but Satan will try to use them to distract us. Sometimes you get discouraged. <clears throat> okay? How many of you have ever been discouraged? The rest of you are lying. Okay? We all get discouraged. <clears throat> like, man, is it worth it? And, and all this stuff. You know, there's nothing wrong with discouragement as long as you keep going. That's the only, by the way, that's the only way you're going to get through it is to keep going. Maybe you've suffered a defeat. None of us are going to, look, <clears throat> none of us are going to get through this being perfect. And sometimes we do things, and I'm not talking about <clears throat> big sins, and if you get caught up in something, you need someone to encourage you, but just some little thing. It's like, man, uh, I should know better than that. And you, you suffered a setback, and Satan will always be there to say, see, why try? Just get up. Defeat is only defeat when it's permanent. Right? Think of, think of it as a game. You may be down 14-0 in the first period, but there's three periods left. Why are you going to quit now? You suffer this little defeat, get up. You've got your life ahead of you. Sometimes we get disillusioned. <clears throat> Maybe somebody <clears throat> that was a leader to you did something to disillusion you. By the way, I could tell you story after story. Right? I've been doing this a long time. I know people that even were preachers I looked up to. I was encouraged by. And they did something grievous. Their life was a wreck and they're out of the ministry. Listen, that's wrong. By the way, you know what they say about our church? Well, your type of churches, that happens all the time. That's a lie. It happens in every form and brand of Christianity. Because you know why? Because human nature is human nature, and there's people who are deviates in every single brand of Christianity. And just because someone lets you, I remember the first time I heard that, and I was so discouraged by the two, I thought, man, if they can't stand for God, what chance do I have? And God's like, you don't worry about them, Steve. You just do what you're supposed to do. Okay? And that kind of stuff is wrong, by the way. But I'm not going to let what somebody else do keep me from Christ, because you know why? Christ has never let me down. Maybe it's a disagreement. We have, you know, <clears throat> look, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something, okay? We are humans. And if you can get through Christianity with having some type of disagreement with somebody, would you come talk to me? I need help in that area. Right? And so what we do is we have a little relationship conflict, and then Satan throws a little, ooh, and we're not even willing to talk to our brother and sister in Christ about it with a good spirit. Well, since I've had people over the years come to me like, you know, so-and-so, and I just have a problem with them, and I think that, you know, and then, by the way, if you don't talk to them, here's what happens. Like, they don't like me. And I know that, I'm like, did you talk to them? No, 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 I just know. And I'm like, go talk to them. I guarantee you that's not true. And people get together and talk, like, brother, do you have something? No, I don't have, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Okay, so, so disagreements. Satan uses all of these things to distract us on our journey. Here's our goal. <clears throat> First Timothy chapter four, verse six and seven. Here's what Paul said. I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is, is at hand. Paul didn't see the finish line. Man, he was ready to break the, break the, the, uh, the string or whatever it is. But here's what he says. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. <clears throat> And I have kept the faith. 
Paul said, I fought a good fight. I gave it everything I had. I finished my course. I stayed <coughs> on track, and I got to the end, and I kept the faith. And I did it being the right kind of Christian. That's, I don't know about you. That's what I want for my life. Next, self-distracts. Look at, um, <coughs> if you can turn there, but I'll quote it. I'll, I'll read it to you. Proverbs chapter <coughs> 14 and verse 12. And Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25, they say the same thing except for one word difference. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know what else? Us. We always think we're right. How many of you think you're right all the time? I do. Have you ever been wrong? None of your business. All of us think that way. We naturally just like, you know, I, I got this. I, I got this thing. We naturally think that <coughs> our opinions should be followed in every situation. Our flesh pushes us in different directions. Or we have influences that help to push us away. But if you read the Bible, cover to cover, you'll find one of the most powerful enemies to distract us from God's purpose. It's ourselves. You think of Adam and Eve. Yeah, Satan was there to push them, but, but what was the ultimate selling point to Eve? She looked at it and said, you know, the things that Satan are saying, I want that. I want to be able to make my own decisions. And by the way, I know God says we shouldn't eat it, but man, that looks good. And she gave in. Then she gave to her husband. Think of Abraham and Sarah. God said, you're going to have a child. <coughs> they looked at the calendar. It's like, man, we're super old. How's that going to happen? So Abraham says, I got a plan. We're going to help God out. Here's Hagar. We brought her from Egypt. Why don't you let me, you know, or Sarah's plan, have a baby through her for me. By the way, we're still suffering from those consequences to this day. But they thought that was God's plan. And God's like, I didn't say that you needed to get someone else involved. I didn't need a surrogate here. But they thought their plan was better. You think of King Saul. God said, hey, go take care of the Amalekites. I want you to get rid of everybody, and I want you to get rid of everything. But you know what Saul thought? Hey, we're getting rid of most of the people, and we destroyed most of the stuff, but they kept the best stuff for themselves. Because obviously, his plan was better than God's plan. And what did God say? You're not going to be king anymore. We're done. I got someone that will follow me. Self. Don't always follow what you want. <coughs> the Bible is a spiritual book. <coughs> we are fleshly people. And our flesh is always trying to get in the way. And whenever we allow what we want over what God wants, we are in big, big trouble. Next, <coughs> sacrifice distracts us. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. <coughs> he says in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, which basically just means it makes sense. You know, just the word sacrifice doesn't sound good. How many know what I'm talking about? We need to sacrifice. It's like, wait a minute, that's giving up stuff. That's painful. That, that means not doing what I want. That's what sacrifice is. 
And God asked us to be a living sacrifice, not like the Old Testament animals, which were dead sacrifices. <clears throat> when those animals were thrown up on the altar to be burned as a burnt offering, we didn't have to worry about them jumping off the altar because they were dead. We're not, God doesn't need us to be dead sacrifices. God wants us to be living sacrifices. The problem with that is sometimes a fire on the altar gets a little hot and we jump off. Sacrifice. What does that mean? That means we're willing to sacrifice our purpose for God. Well, pastor, this is just something I've always wanted. Okay, and, and maybe that's what God wants for you. But <clears throat> shouldn't we find out what God's purpose is for our life? We're willing to sacrifice our pleasures for God. The things we want to do. We're willing to sacrifice our plans for God. Whenever you make plans and God's not a part of it, 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 it amazes me. And it's happened many times, and it, or it hasn't happened recently, but many times people just come and say, hey, man, we're moving. We're going to go to, I always say Wichita. By the way, Wichita is probably a wonderful city. It just, it's almost like the word sacrifice, Brother Pineda, Wichita. It doesn't sound good. Now I'm going to go to Wichita because, you know, um, <laughs> Gavin Newsom's not there, Okay. $25 a gallon, gas is not there. Uh, $16 McDonald's meals. By the way, another good reason not to go to McDonald's. Okay? You know, you're buying poison, you're paying a lot for it. <clears throat> and then they'll come, <clears throat> I'm moving to Wichita, and here's the question. Do you know a good church there? That bothers me. The church is the most important thing in your life when you're going somewhere. Okay? You know what that means? I want God's stamp of approval on what I'm doing. And you can pick that in interview. You know, I'm going to do this job and do this thing. And what does God have for us? Find it out. That requires us to be open to what he gets, to what he wants us to do. You must be willing to give up. I've used this story a long time ago, but <clears throat> I read it somewhere. There was a missionary, a man that ended up on the mission field, but he and his wife were in a missions conference, and, and <clears throat> God had been dealing with him. And, um, and that night, as the pastor preached, he, he said, I'm, I, I know God wants me to do that. I'm going to do it. And so he got a piece of paper out, and he wrote these three phrases. Anytime, any place, uh, anytime, anyone, any place. Talking about giving his life to the gospel. He went up to the altar. <coughs> Later, he showed it to his wife. She checked off the anytime, and she checked off the anyone. And she looked at him and said, I can't check off any place. I don't want to go any place. The husband was like, well, that's fine. Let's just keep praying about it, and, and we'll wait. A while later, I don't <coughs> know how many months later, she was in a service, and God spoke to her heart, and she went back and said, okay, I'm in any place. Okay. Can we just do what God tells us to do? You young people, you sit around here, and, <coughs> and God could do so much in your life but someone else has gotten to you. I don't want to live that kind of life. I mean, I want to have this in my life, and if I go this direction, I may not get that. No, you may not, but you may get what God has for you. Are you telling me that you don't think <coughs> that the God of the universe knows what is best for you? Oh, no, you'll, you, no one would ever come up to me after church and say, you know, I don't believe God knows what's best for me. No one would tell me that. 
but yet in the decisions you make, is that what we're telling God? See, that distracts us. We're not willing to sacrifice. <coughs> Next. And I won't spend a lot of time on this. We already know it. Society distracts us. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I won't spend a lot of time. <coughs> We've taught on this before. But do we want God more than we want the things of this world? We alluded to that this morning. If you want to call this anything, you can call this Demas disease. Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this. Yeah. And by all, I wish people would just be honest. Sometimes people want to go away from God and go away from the church, and they'll give you every excuse in the world. You know, well, that type of church, they're just this. Stop. Well, someone, you know, was mean to me. Come see me. I can give you six others. Okay? Well, it's this, that, and the other. I just don't like that. And yet they don't go to another good church. Why don't we just be honest? You prefer the world. And that's your choice. Don't get me wrong. You'll pay for that. But I just, I just, I, I, I used to bother me. People would say things and like, man, did we do something? In some cases, you know, maybe we were a little bit overboard. I was overboard. Or, but, but I look at it now, and then you look at their life, it's like, that has nothing to do with it. Look, if someone did all the mean things you could to me here and I had to leave this place, you would see me at another really good church. I wouldn't quit on God. So, so don't tell me that. You know, that church was, and then, no. It's a lot of times, let's just be honest, we want the world. We want the, we just like it. Be careful about that. Lastly, oh, thanks, Pastor. <coughs> but this is where I'm going to stop for a while. Just kidding. <coughs> the set, success distracts us. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what we ought to be striving for. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The bottom line is, we... We like financial success. By the way, I'm not against you. Look, if you work somewhere, you be the best employee. If they're passing out raises where you work, be honest, be diligent, be a Christian, have a testimony, get those, get those raises. By the way, you probably will too. Because most people don't work very hard anymore. How many know what I'm talking about? You want, to lift, you want to keep lifting the wage, and it's like, okay, if you're going to at least lift the wage and charge me $16 for a meal at McDonald's, can you at least smile? I remember I drove through a place a couple years ago, like, how are you doing? And they're like, that'll be $12. Okay. Hey, thank you for that. Handed it to me. So I just had to, like, one more time, have a great day. And they just stared at me. I'm like, okay, it's just not going to happen today. Work. I'm not against success, but <clears throat> some people will trade success for God. Right? They'll, uh, you know, if I work on Sunday, I can make more money. Okay? <clears throat> I'll take that overtime. And I know sometimes rotating shifts or whatever. But we've got to be very, very careful. You know, I can work more and more and more and make more and more money and I'll be at church less and less. And what happens is your spiritual life starts to die. 
starts to die. Or you just, that's the goal of your life. There's nothing wrong, listen to me now, there's nothing wrong with you making money. But it's wrong when that becomes the, the, the goal of your life. They that will be rich. In other words, that's their, not, that was their, not that they were making money, listen to me, that was their goal. And again, I'm not, I'm not against you making money. But when you make that your all-encompassing goal, then you start to backtrack on your spirituality. You'll be dishonest in your business dealings. It'd be better not to make that money than to be dishonest and rip somebody off. You know, look, used to be a Christian radio station. I don't listen to them anymore. I listened to them years ago. And whenever there was a Christian company, we're a Christian company. I'm like, I'm not going there. Not going there. We had a company here, Tim, don't say anything out loud, years ago. They were helping us with the thing. And, oh, you know, we're a, we're, we're a, we're a Christian company with a mission. For those of you that know. They were, about as, they were about as Christian as my left toe. Well, actually, my left toe is Christian because I'm Christian. I mean, they, they weren't Christian at all. They weren't Christian at all. So, but we, it's, what am I saying? Let's be very careful. Jesus said this, <coughs> Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. They don't go together. Now, you can have money and serve God because you'll be a good, if you understand stewardship, right? And by the way, we have a lot of dreams and goals in this church and a lot more things we want to do. We need some of you to make some money. We're not against that. Don't make that the overbearing desire. That's my, my goal is to retire, you know, wealthy when I'm 35. And you'll cut every corner to get there. And you'll backtrack on God and spend all your time to get there. And you'll get there, and you'll retire, and you'll have no purpose in life, and your spiritual walk will be nothing. Don't let anything interrupt your walk with God. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> what am I saying? We need to be focused on the things that are eternal more than on the things that are temporal. Let me read these verses, and we're done. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, are we saved? We're risen, we're risen with Christ. Our old man is dead. We've been quickened, brought back to spiritual life. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. That is our goal. That is our mission. So we can do the work of God. And here's my question. What's distracting you? Something's going to come, what, what's the, and you say, Pastor, I'm doing pretty good. What is the thing that would, if you were to get distracted, what's the one thing that would pull more towards you? Let's be very careful. We said this morning we need to watch. We need to watch for these things. Because the worst thing you can do is get distracted from God. Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute, please. Thank you for listening. <clears throat> How's your Christian life today? Are you going forward for the Lord? I'm not saying, are you perfect? <coughs> I'm not saying, have you had some ups and downs, some bumps, twists and turns? I'm saying, what direction are you going? Are some of these things we mentioned tonight starting to get in the way? 
are some of these things starting to distract you from your relationship with God, from your service for Him, from what He wants to do in your life, then maybe we need to, we need to work on that. The saddest thing is to, to be so distracted that we're diverted away from what God wants. And that race, that path we're running, we're so diverted, we end up in a different location. Let's not be distracted. We talked this morning about the fact that the end times are here. We need to be vigilant. We don't need people that get distracted from God. We need people that will stay faithful serving Him. Can we stand together tonight, please? <coughs> the piano is going to play. If God spoke to you at all about any of these areas, Maybe there's an area I didn't even mention, but you know that it's starting to get to you. You know it's starting to push you to the side. Come and deal with those areas.